Sona, this was a very nice day today. It was. Because uh, over here at our headquarters, we got this great gift, Tillamook ice cream. I'm a monster for ice cream. I know you are too. I want to take a bath in it and then I want to eat Eat the ice in the eat the bath. Wait, what? I want to like bathe in it, yeah. but then I want to eat it as I'm bathing. In yeah, it. yeah, that's a simple concept. You made it much more complicated. I know, I'm sorry. Fill a bathtub with Tillamook ice cream. I will get in it, and then I will eat my way out. Yes, that's all okay, you need to there do. There you go. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have so many great. It's such good ice cream, and they have so many great flavors. I mean, just off the top of my head, I I don't know. Birthday cake, caramel swirl, banana split, caramel toffee crunch, chocolate chip, chocolate chocolate chip cookie dough. I think there's butter pecan cookies and cream, French vanilla, chocolate peanut butter. Malted moose shake, I think, is one. I can't remember too well. Mounted huckleberry, Tillamook mudslide, Marionberry pie, monster cookie, old-fashioned vanilla, Rocky Road, Oregon dark cherry, waffle cone swirl, peppermint bark. I'm, I don't, I'm just going off memory here, but <laughs> holiday sugar cookie, orange and cream. Anyway, so many great flavors and uh, just incredible. You know, they they really put, and they come in family-sized cartons. Mm. Also, you're in good hands with the Tillamook brand. They make over 200 different dairy products, and the brand is farmer-owned and led by dairy experts. Find Tillamook ice cream near you at Tillamook.com. I'm going to spell it for you. That's how much I care about this product. T-I-L-L-A-M-O-O-K.com. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. My name is Dave Letterman. And my connection to Conan is endless admiration. I'm waiting for the, the twist. No twist. Can I get that again from my phone? I'd like that to be my outgoing message. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey there, welcome to the beginning of season two of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. I can't believe we're here at a second season. This is pretty amazing. I'm here with my uh, my team, Da Squad. You know, <laughs> Taylor Swift has her squad and I'm very much like her. So I have my squad here, my trusty assistant, Sona Movsesian. Hey, Sona. Hi. Why, you were, you I'm don't. I'm laughing. Why? You don't think I'm at all like Taylor Swift? I, A, you're nothing like Taylor Swift. We are both attractive people. Oh, calm down. You are nothing like Taylor Swift. We are B, both talented singer-songwriters. We are nothing like her squad. I mean, she runs with a squad of, of like supermodels and stuff. And Guess what? You're supermodels to me. 
So I'm here with Sonam Obsession. I'm also here with uh, Matt Gorley. How Hi. are you, Matt? Good. How are you? I'm good. Are you excited about season two? I'm ready to be back. I'm ready to roll. Okay. Yeah. We're going to have an incredible season. We had a great first season, and I'm told the numbers are through the roof. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. The numbers are insane. But you know me, I'm not a numbers guy. I'm all about the quality of the work, more of a Michelangelo, just concerned with, uh, did I realize a figure inside the marble? Wasn't he a dick? What the hell? What was that? I'm, I'm That's serious. That's so your generation. Was he a dick? Wasn't he? I, I think he, he was, was a difficult he was, person. He was, I heard he was yeah. a huge dick. Well, wait a minute. He was uncompromising and a great artist. So because we have that in common, <laughs> I will defend him. Could he at sometimes be difficult uh, and not just give everything a thumbs up emoji? Yeah. But you're saying he's a dick because what? He didn't like everybody's post? No, what? Their Facebook <laughs> post or whatever? I was saying I've, I've heard stories about him being a dick. You're That's- acting like you went into an Arby's that he had just been in. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard stories. He was kind of a dick. What do you mean? Uh, you know, I went by a Chick-fil-A and I was getting a sandwich and they said he had just been in there and... He parked his car in the handicapped spot. <laughs> he, he didn't have a limp or anything. What's going on? Hey, Michelangelo, you should go. Maybe uh, you uh, should go. Uh. <laughs> Jesus, Michelangelo, your Italian accent sucks. Uh, maybe uh, your uh, Italian accent uh, suck. Uh. <laughs> God, Michelangelo, you're a dick and a very unconvincing Italian <laughs> from the Renaissance. Maybe you're an unconvincing Italian uh, from a renaissance. Now, Michelangelo, these are terrible clapbacks. You're just repeating what I'm saying. And maybe uh, you're repeating what you're saying. No, it's Michelangelo. Not only have you ruined everybody's meal here at Chick-fil-A, but you're also a terrible, have a terrible Italian accent, and your clapbacks are the worst. I want to clap back. Hey, do you think this is going to be... Is this going to be the season where I get to clap back at somebody on the internet? You know, that's my my dream. I know. I want someone to body shame me, and then I want to clap back. I'll I want body some- shame you. Uh, your body is weird. Like, who has legs that long? Hey, that's- I'm proud of my legs. Yeah, and I'm proud of my figure. And I'm 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 out here for for um, guys like me that have really long legs and short torsos. <laughs> and if you're out there, I'm with you. I like my long legs. <laughs> Maybe you're the one with the legs that are too long. Michelangelo. I'm a Michelangelo. I came back to help my friend Conan. <laughs> I'm uncompromising. And so I what? I may ask for the horsey sauce here at Chick-fil-A and I get told I'm a dick by Sona, who didn't even hear it the first hand. She heard it from guys who were there a few minutes after I left. And so I use a handicap space. It was close by, and I had to get back to the Sistine Chapel. Uh, what? <laughs> you had to get back to the Sistine Chapel? I got to finish the painting of the chapel. And I'm uncompromising, <laughs> but the people say uh, I'm a, a dicker. You sound like Benicio Del Toro. <laughs> I'm a Benicio. I'm friends with Benicio Del Toro. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> That's ridiculous. This is the kind of quality comedy <laughs> you're going to get in season two. Okay? This is stuff uh, This well-crafted. <laughs> this is what we're opening with. <laughs> this is what we're starting the season with oh, is no. the worst Michelangelo <laughs> impression. And I'll bet there's some bad ones out there. Oh, my God. Oh, man. So many comics out there try to break in on an open mic night <laughs> yeah. with a Michelangelo impression. And I just, none of them are going to try after this because I win. Yep. Well done. Yeah, you win. I win again. I'm excited about this season. Yep. If we can do that our first time back, (laughs) think of what we can do 
when we actually give it a little bit of thought <laughs> and we're warmed up. Oh, Michelangelo. Yeah. We got to get this show on the road. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's absurd to try and introduce my guest. Um, just absurd. Uh, this uh, gentleman is uh, the reason anybody my age uh, does comedy the way we do it. Uh, he uh, hosted late night television for 33 years. Um between Late Night and The Late Show. He currently has a program called My Next Guest Needs No Introduction, which is on Netflix. He has been a formidable presence in my life uh, since uh, I was in high school. And uh, we have encountered each other over the years and had pleasant exchanges, but he and I have never sat down and had an honest-to-God, in-depth conversation. And uh, it is an incredible honor for me that that is happening now. Ladies and gentlemen, David Letterman. I think I've said this many, many, many times. The only reason I get to do what I do for a living is because you invented this Mm -hmm. kind of Mm late-night show. Uh, and I, I, I just thank you because mm-hmm. it's a great okay. dodge. It yeah. beats a real job. Yeah. So far, this is the worst podcast ever. Yeah. Well, this part doesn't even air. Oh, well then, then it's fine. Yeah. This is the part <laughs> I say this to everyone I talk to, you know, I praise Claude Aiken up top, <laughs> whoever I'm talking to, Sheriff Lobo. I'm uh-huh. just like, you're the best. Yeah. Uh, I, okay. When you were deciding to move on from the late show, you said you decided it was time because your son asked you how was the show tonight and you couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to that thinking, Jesus, I should have gotten out then <laughs> 15 years ago. And it's not that I don't care. Right. It's that the volume, mm-hmm. the sheer volume of the work and the amount of time you're out there does something to your mind, like an etch-a-sketch where my short-term memory is completely gone. Mm-hmm. Do you have a connection to your body of work or if you just dump the whole thing and you have to see a tape somewhere? Well, uh, first of all, the um, dynamic of not knowing who had been on the show or how it went is is common. I, I think common to people who do something repetitive night after night after night. I used to hear Peter LaSalle say the same thing when he was working with Johnny and I would say, uh, who was on the show tonight? And he would say, who was on the show? Uh, I don't remember. And yeah. then later in conversation, he owes oh, Charo. Now, arguably, that is perhaps forgettable. But I disagree. It's the same. It's the same <laughs> process. Uh, but I know I, I. You know that was kind of a ruse uh, on my part because as I reflect on it, I just stayed too long. I, I see. Do you other, really think you stayed too long? Yes. Uh, yes, absolutely. Selfishly and for the benefit of the American viewers. I stayed too long. But uh, I see other people doing shows now who I are doing it better, um, more energy, and overall making it th- their own time period. And I just, I couldn't do that anymore. And yeah. I, sh- I should have left. Uh, but but I, I you know I was kind of hidden and protected in those time periods where people at that time weren't really caring so much about, and then they became wildly lucrative. Um, but I yeah I should have gone. 
you know, I would have had a different kind of life, and uh, I, I long for that a bit. Well, there's nothing you're you have in your life now that you you could do all that now. Anything you could have done if you had decided to leave four years earlier, you you're doing this other show now. Our next guest needs right. no introduction. But you're, let me ask you: yeah. uh, Do you feel that uh, your show and you've been on the air X number of years? How many? How many years? Uh, Twenty six. 26 years. Yeah, 26 do, since do, the beginning of the late night show. Do, yeah. you, do you ever feel that it has misdirected your life in, in a completely, uh, there's, there's no blame here. It's it's just the momentum can, can suck uh, other parts of your life away. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think there are times where you do the show and it can be, for periods of time where you're doing the show because that was what you do. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like a siphon. You've, you've, you've been doing it for a while and there's a momentum to doing it. And sometimes, uh, I liken it to, if you're driving on the highway for a long time, the lines in the middle of the road hypnotize you mm -hmm. a little bit mm -hmm. and you feel like I'm still driving, but I'm not really aware that I'm driving. I'm not actually present. And I think that's a danger when you've been doing this for a long time is that it can just be a habit. You well, when, when uh, I agree with all of that, and when I started doing it, I came on, uh, we, we uh, replaced Tom Snyder, who I thought was just fine at what he was doing, and we followed Johnny Carson. So I felt like in those days, that was the most important thing a person could do. Mm -hmm. And if you screwed that up, well, why did you get rid of Tom Snyder and look at Johnny? He's, you know, laughing at you because you're not as good as he is. So I mm -hmm. felt this uh, perhaps imaginary pressure. Uh, and then my narrow of focus just kept tightening and tightening and tightening to the neglect of uh, other aspects of real life. Mm -hmm. Well, it's very hard for me to explain to people how rare and important a late night show was back when you were doing it. And you started out, I first saw you on the morning show. It was very arresting. Just, what is this? This is so different from anything on television. I, would, I have to stop and look at this for a while. I'm not even sure if this is wrong in some way or right. It's just so different. And it was next to impossible for someone like you to get that valuable piece of real estate. Because back then it really was. Not to be the old man, I'm sounding like the old man now, but there are 125 late night shows now. Mm -hmm. So that sense of urgency is very hard to get. And I remembered early on reading interviews with you and maybe getting a discussion here and there where you would say, when I give someone a piece of my show in big time show business, I really expect them to have their stories ready and not for us just to be out here chewing the fat. Right. Like we're two people on the subway. How do you create that urgency anymore? I don't know. We we did it because that was the model of the Tonight Show, because in those days, as you know, if you got on the Tonight Show and did well, great. It was an important point in your career. If you didn't do well, goodbye, and that meant you had to have stories, beginning, middle, and end, funny, and three or four, eight to ten minutes worth, or material that was solid, and if not, you know, you would might be able to get on with John Davidson guest hosting, but right. th that was it. It was the, the fall, potentially the fall was, uh, 
you know, stepping off a precipice. I've talked to many people, people like Steve Martin, who say that their life changed when they went on The Tonight Show. Mm -hmm. They went on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and the next day, and Gary Shandling said this, the next day, everybody knew them, mm -hmm. and everybody had seen their set. That can't happen today. Now, something can go viral, and people can gradually catch up, but there's no such thing as, ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles, and 70 million people are seeing it in that moment. And right. I, I think that uh, sometimes the times make the show. I think mm -hmm. in your case, because there's no internet and there was no dilution of what was happening, and you took it so seriously, and your team took it so seriously, there was this happening with your show. I was curious, when did you know this thing has clicked in and we're becoming, it's becoming a cultural phenomenon. I know that, that sounds highfalutin, but was there a, a moment? Was it, were you a year, two years? When did you know this is a thing? Well, as, as you know, when you're doing a nightly show, what you concentrate on is doing the nightly show. And as far as you know, because you, you get the response from the people in that room, you're accustomed to that's great, the people in the room laughed, and tomorrow we'll try to make a different room full of people or a room full of different people laugh also. Yeah. And and you lose sight of what may or may not be happening outside, other than looking at the ratings. But but in those days, it was pretty easy to get ratings following Johnny Carson. So yeah. that was not a problem. So I just was never sure uh, from pickup date to pickup date whether we were going to be renewed. I, I do remember one moment years into it at NBC where they were giving us primetime specials. And, and we did a, they gave us an hour and a half, I believe, on a Thursday night. And mm -hmm. in those days, Thursday night was uh, must-see TV mm -hmm. or whatever they called it. Yeah. yeah. So we uh, we that were was, in. That was a contemptuous sigh. If you <laughs> want to, I'm just identifying that. <laughs> anyway, we got the we get that time spot, and because of the uh, momentum, it was huge. Our yeah. our show was huge, and in those days, uh, CB uh, NBC was owned by uh, GE, mm -hmm. and uh, I had used GB uh, GE to great advantage by making fun of them. And came, uh, there was some sort of gathering, and Bob Welch, the CEO of GE, yeah. uh, all powerful CEO of CEO land, mm -hmm. uh, came uh, hustling up to me and uh, shook my hand and uh, he said, Congratulations. And I said, Well, uh, you got a 33 share or a 33 right. rating, I don't know, whatever yeah. it was. And um, I tried to explain to him that it was just the, the, the time spot, but he was having none of it. And, and so at that point, I thought, well, if Bob Welch is coming over here to shake my hand, that must mean something evil and greedy. <laughs> <laughs> then you look down and your watch was gone. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, yeah. My experience was being told I had a very rough start following you. Thank you. My rough start lasted for quite a while, and I remembered constantly being told it's over, you're going to be let go. And the only thing I knew was these audiences come in, and we do this, and they laugh. Mm. So I know it's working with right. the people in 6A, and I just had this, uh, call it religious, spiritual faith that there's something good happening in here, and I know I have a long way to go, and 
you know, in way over my head now, but I, something's happening here that has goodness to it and has value. And that's just got to seep out if I can get the time. Right. But it really did start with, if there hadn't been a studio audience there, I probably would have taken mm -hmm. my own life the mm -hmm. first season, just because yeah. I, I, it was the only thing telling me, no, you're on the right track. Yeah, that's, that's exactly, in different words, uh, my experience, uh, not only starting out, but th mostly throughout my own career. And I can remember when there was a breakthrough, finally, uh, right around the Bob Welch time, Jack Welch, not Bob Welch. Um, He's not listening. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, well, this is what they mean by saying you got to keep pushing the rock up the hill, just keep pushing it up the hill, keep pushing it up the hill, keep pushing it up the hill. And before you know it, you'll be at the peak and things will be grand. And I thought, well, this experience uh, I understand now. And, and I thought that that would, I thought that was universal to life. Turns out it's not, but I adapted it for my struggle uh, at NBC trying to feel like we were worthy of being on TV. There's this phenomenon, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I've seen a lot of people that got into comedy, I would include myself, because they saw other people who had achieved something great and they thought, if I could get to where they are, then I will have no problems. Mm -hmm. You remember comedian Rich Hall. One of the first gigs I had as a 22-year-old was writing jokes for Rich Hall and I remembered his assistant coming in and handing him an envelope that had $1,000 in it because he was going somewhere. And I remember thinking, if I was making my living in comedy and someone would occasionally come into a room and hand me an envelope with $1,000, I'd never complain again in my life, ever. <laughs> and extrapolate that, I always looked at you as, and still do, as this guy has achieved everything you can possibly achieve. So great Buddha-like contentment must come with that. And we know that that's not the case. I, I wonder if there are those for who it is the case. I'm sure there are. I'd like to think I'm, uh, <laughs> I'd like to think I'm pushing my way to that. Well, th this reminds me, and I, I've mentioned this to you before, you were uh, a guest on our show after you had been on the air a while and I had been on the air a while at CBS. And I asked you how things were going, and you said, really well, I think we've now done 18 really good shows in a row. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, oh, oh my God, I, I don't think I've done 18 good shows in a year. And that's, that's when I began, not, not then, but uh, it re-asked uh, the question, what uh, am I, what am I, what am I, I don't know what I'm, you know, it just, it, it created, it just hit that button of doubt again. I think you misquoted me. <laughs> I'm going to just correct you now, because I remember very clearly what I said, because I always put the knife in myself, which is, I think he was, I had to just come off of a run because we had, we had to do five shows a week. We wanted to do four a week, which was your schedule. We had to do five. We were getting killed. We had no time off. And I think we had had to do 133 shows without a break. Mm. And I think you said, how's it going? And I said, we just did 133 shows, 18 of which were probably pretty good. And I think uh, maybe you heard it through your filter. Uh, <laughs> well, let, let me apologize uh, because- uh, I've never said to anybody, <laughs> I just did 18 shows in a row and they're awesome. Well, let that's me, a different. That's yeah. that's that's a guy named Jet Blaze. <laughs> I understand the other equation because I know that number. I, I know having when we started, it was, I think we did six months in a row of shows, uh, and and I know people think that's silly, 
And I think the hard work is the pressure one puts on oneself. Yeah. There's this, I may have mentioned this to you once. Uh, it's a fascinating document. It's a 1980 Rolling Stone interview with Johnny Carson. And in it, he's bemoaning the fact that all the big stars are gone and that the tonight, his, you know, his tonight show, you know, Groucho's gone and Jack Benny's gone and, you know, all the greats are gone. And I remembered reading that and thinking, what the hell are you talking about? You just, you know, you had Burt Reynolds on last night. You had Bob Newhart. You had, you have Steve Martin on regularly. What are you talking about? But I think what happens, I think this happened to Johnny. He probably felt it's all getting small. It's all getting small. And when he left, there was no way that his Tonight Show, even though it had every single star in the world and he was the pinnacle, could probably match 36-year-old, the feeling he had when he was mm -hmm. 36 and trading quips with his hero, Jack Benny. Right. And then I think if that happened to Johnny, it must have started to feel small to you at some point. It must feel at some point like, who is, mm -hmm. there's this kid on and he's he's from One right. Tree Hill. What's One Tree Hill? Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, well, you experienced that. It's I, I think it's, if you do it more than a couple of years, you're going to experience that. Yeah. Because the uh, people are being replaced and uh, enjoyed. I, I, you know, to me, when Tom Hanks uh, would be on the program, I, I thought, well, you know, here's, Here's our Jack Benny. You know, he was, yeah. he was, I, I don't know that. Didn't you love it when Tom Hanks came on? I remembered his, uh, fantastic. And then I remembered very well his last appearance. I think he was your last guest on Late Night. And uh, he came out and just classic talk show appearance. I mean, it was such a fantastic show. You were doing your last Late Night show. I was sitting alone. Oh, that's right. I remember that. I, uh, yeah. And Bruce Springsteen was there. Yep. Uh, you bumped him, I think. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was, you were doing your last show. It was sublime. It was fantastic. Oh, yeah. I was up in my uh, office. We had no staff yet. And I had to replace you in a couple of months. And we didn't know what the show was yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, by all accounts, uh, I had no business being there. And I was watching you on TV. Mm. And then someone convinced me to go down and say a quick hello. But I've never felt that lonely being in those offices in Rockefeller Center alone with no staff and watching you end this perfect show. I wanted to go out the window. <laughs> but it, I mean, it's, uh, an odd, uh, to, it's odd to hear this because the other side of the table, literally, uh, didn't feel that way. It didn't feel that way to you? No, ne never did feel that way. Sometimes I would think uh, we had a really nice show. Sometimes I would think uh, we didn't. Some, most nights I, I felt that I had ruined it. You know, most nights I probably did. Because the truth the truth of it is, the, the people, well, I don't know. I can't speak for today's uh, talk show guests. But in, in those days and in Johnny's day, the show was pretty much self-driving. Johnny comes out, does his 16, 20 jokes, whatever. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves it. He sits down. He does Aunt Blabby or whatever mm -hmm. he does. Mm -hmm. And then the fun starts. Out, out come the big stars, the passing of which he lamented. So once he got to the desk and was done, you know, his job was pretty much over. I, you know, oh, I did not know that. You know, yeah. that's, that's all you had to say. <laughs> the, the thing that I still love is... Uh, when it was time to wrap up a segment, you were on his show. No, no. He, Johnny retired before I got the late night show, about a year before I got the late night show. 
I did have some contact with him because I was working on The Simpsons and he came by mm. to do an episode. I'll never forget, he drove up in a white Corvette. Yeah. And he had a Filofax and two cartons of, ra of cigarettes. <laughs> and he came in and he was fantastic. Uh, he, you know, he did the, the voice. He played himself, he did the voice. And we, were, we all thought, now he's going to leave. What I didn't realize and what I understand now is he'd been off the air for a year and he was in a room full of comedy writers. So we asked, would you sign a few scripts? Be nice if you could. It's no problem if you can't, Mr. Carson. Oh, of course. And he was signing them. And then he started to talk mm. and he was in no hurry to go. And it was lovely yeah. because he started complaining about Bob Hope. <laughs> and he started talking about how, you know, Bob Hope, the greatest star, greatest career, uh, and uh, he said, uh, I don't do a Johnny Carson impression, but he said, I don't do impressions in, at all. I do a Mr. T. But he <laughs> said, uh, you know, uh, Bob Hope, the greatest career, he's, he met, you know, and performed for 11 presidents. Uh, he's traveled all over the world. He's known everybody. I'd uh, have him on the show. I'd say, uh, Bob, can you, you know, can you tell us you were just over in Vietnam? And, yeah, how about that? How about that? <laughs> and then I'd ask him another question and he'd go, yeah, isn't that something? Yeah. Isn't that something? And it drove Johnny crazy. And I thought, at the time I'm 28 and I'm sitting here listening to Johnny Carson. I'm sitting like a child on the floor while he sits at a table and complains about Bob Hope, who is, you know, uh, this untouchable icon right. of comedy that I grew up watching. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because I've had that experience also uh, with Johnny, where he uh, just would say to me, moan to me, when is he going to retire? What does he have to prove? Why is he doing this? Mm -hmm. he, and, and the way it would work, Bob would do a couple of specials a year, and then for his opening monologue, he would come out and use Johnny's audience. Yeah, uh, And this used to drive Johnny crazy as to what, what, why. When is this going to end? How, he's 90 now. How, how much longer is he going to do it? So there was something, I don't know if it was just envy of uh, Bob's nearly global success recognition. I don't know what it was, but it's funny that we have that in common. Well, I also remember him telling a story about, he does his last week of shows, and I think Bob came on that last, you know, everyone was coming on that last week of Johnny's shows. Everybody's coming out. So sure enough, maybe the second to last night. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I've always wanted a song that I could walk out to. And yep. I'd, I'd like, that's not being used now. So maybe I could get it. Uh, but da, 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 and Bob Hope walks out and he's carrying a gift wrapped and he hands it to Johnny. And Johnny knows not to open it on the air and just sets it aside and says to Bob, well, Bob, you know, yeah, isn't that something? How are you? <laughs> About you know, that. How about that? Isn't that something? Yeah, you met Eisenhower and he told you, so, yeah, he sure did. That was something. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, anyway, um, he knew not to open it. And he said, sure enough, after the show, I unwrapped it. And this is the gift that Bob Hope is giving to Johnny Carson after these two titans, one handing a gift to the other. And let's also keep in mind that Bob Hope is the richest landowner mm -hmm. in the history of California. <laughs> Hands him a gift. And afterwards he said, you know what it was? You know what it was? It was a re-gifted VCR. Yeah. <laughs> just about thought. right. <laughs> I just thought. I had one other uh, experience with Bob Hope. It was in New Orleans. And Brandon Tartikoff had prevailed upon me to participate in a, a primetime Bob Hope special. 
And I, I didn't want to because the sort of the un, un, unspoken uh, uh, purpose of the show was to avoid that level of mainstream show business. But it was, you know, okay, I liked Brandon Tartikoff, and uh, so he's doing a special. This was at the, it was a world's exhibition in New Orleans when, you know, on the heel, maybe it was the last sort of world fair-like event that used to occur mm -hmm. routinely when I was a kid. So we went down there with Bob uh, Hope uh, as guests and uh, did something stupid. And uh, Bob said, hey, come on into the trailer. So he's got a trailer and we go in there. Then there's Dolores mm -hmm. uh, and then there's Bob and it's lunchtime for Bob and Bob's having hot dogs. And uh, uh, Dolores cuts up the hot dog for Bob. And uh, the other person in the room, forgive me for not knowing his name, Admiral fill in the blank, mm -hmm. he's the uh, commander-in-chief of the Kitty Hawk. And he introduced me to the man in charge of the Kitty Hawk three times while, while we were in there. Yeah. And that's when I said, okay, I, I, I have nothing to add. I, I don't have a battleship or a carrier. <laughs> I just, I, I'm just going to, Dolores, great pleasure meeting you. Bob, enjoy your hot dog. <laughs> that was it. But he, you know, he was nice uh, to yeah. me. But uh, that was the only interaction I ever had with the guy. I did go. I recorded his voice for The Simpsons. So I, and they asked a room full of writers who wants to go to Bob Hope's house and record his voice for mm. The Simpsons. No <clears> one, <throat> no one's hand went up except myself and year old writer Jeff Martin. Who oh both yeah, just thought we've got to get, we've got to sure. go. Yeah, yeah. So we went to his house in Toluca Lake, and it had pictures of like Patton pissing in the Rhine, and you know just. Mm -hmm all of his scripts and we were, and then uh, he came down and the line we wanted him to record was he helps Lisa Simpson out and then he grabs onto a helicopter to escape and he tells the pilot, set me down near that boat show. <laughs> <laughs> so he can make a few extra dollars. <laughs> and sure enough, he came in and he was, it was at this point he, I shook his hand, but I, I, I don't think he could mm -hmm. see me. Uh, and yeah, and then dad, you're going to say this. All right, all right, all right. And then just put me down to that boat show. And we got it <laughs> and I was escorted out the back. But uh, we've got to get off this topic of Bob Hope because I really do feel like. Well, you know, you know there's another, another aspect to this. I'm getting scared just talking about him. Yeah. Uh, I feel like he's here. There's another aspect to this, which is. Uh, and and I, I don't know if this was uh, motivated by uh, just the need to perform, put me down at the boat show, or, or something deeper, something more admirable. But he did go out and put himself in harm's way to a certain extent. Oh, my God. His, to, his to, record in the war. Yeah. yeah so uh, irrespective of what you and I and Johnny Carson may have thought of his idiosyncrasies, uh, notwithstanding, there's reason there for admiration. Oh, and his work in the uh, in film, mm -hmm. I think in the in the forties. Have Have you been able to sit through a uh, road show with Bob Hope and Bing Crosby? Yeah, I I like them in individual pieces. Do I want to watch the whole yeah. thing play out? No. Was uh, the two of them and always Dorothy Lamore? Is Dorothy Lamore, yeah, yeah. I mean, honest to God, there is no one listening now. Absolutely no one. What I like to do is I like to purge the people that don't deserve to listen. <laughs> and so it's well, really just, 
It's really just you and me now. That happened when I walked in the room. No, 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 no. Um, uh, but it, I, it's, it's, it, it is interesting because there are not many people with whom I could have this conversation. No. Not many people with whom would want to have this conversation. I, no. I mean, I've heard over and over again, uh, uh, who, who's Jay Leno? Is he the guy that replaced uh, Johnny Carson? Right. Uh, like that. So, you know, it happens. And anyway, we can talk about anything you like. But thank you. I enjoyed it myself. Um, Am I done? Oh, no, no, Ooh. no, no, you're, I have you down for four hours. <laughs> I, want, I want to see that beard grow yeah. in real time. Yeah. In 1986, the greatest wish in my life was to write for you. And it was an obsession. There were two shows that I was willing to work on. This is how arrogant I was. Your show and Saturday Night Live, and there was nothing else. Saturday Night Live was the distant second. I, I believed that my destiny was to write for you. And got close, didn't get it. And when I didn't get it, I was convinced that my career was over. Mm. I'll be honest with you. I don't think I would have been a great writer for you. But I then, don't then, think I would have added much. Now, l l l let me uh, explore this a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I don't believe that that was my decision. No, no, I don't think it was. No, I don't uh, think I, you, I, I don't, don't. But now I'm wondering whose decision was it and how can I punish them? <laughs> <laughs> is it too late I, for retribution? No, no. Uh, listen, I've learned it's never too late for retribution. Uh, <laughs> the Irish believe these things that go on for generations. Uh, you punish the person and then you punish their children and their children. Um, no, I don't, I don't think I would have added uh, anything. I think your show. No, no. Now let's, uh, I have an idea. Yeah. Let's stop talking about me and my show. Okay. Let's talk about other, other things. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you one of the nicest moments and people are going to think there's something wrong with me. And there is something wrong with me. I, I have a, a kind of a character flaw. Mm -hmm. I, I went to see a movie years and years and years ago, and I got really excited in the movie because out of a group of women playing in the film, I spotted your sister. Oh, yeah. And that brought me great joy. And I told everybody else, that's Conan's sister. And did you know beforehand that she was in the movie? I had heard that she was in the movie, but yeah. I was I was the first one to identify her, and yeah. I was I was delighted. She's uh, my sister, Kate. Very talented, very funny. Does she still appear in act? She uh, does as an things. Actor? She does things here and there. She uh, she's a teacher uh, in uh, in Massachusetts, and she she does she well. She'll take on a little project here and there yeah. and show up in something. Uh, but she's. She's fantastic. She's very talented. What was the film? The Fighter. Yeah. And she was one of the sisters of, yeah. uh, of Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, Christian Bale just showed up and started eating scenery. And yeah. th that also, those were my two delightful. Everybody else kind of just stood back. All right, let us know when he's done acting, and then we'll come back into the scene. Right, right. Do you go see a lot of movies now? I used to see them all the time as, as part of the job. Would you watch the whole movie? Be honest. Yes, you yes, would. I would. Yes. Okay. Yes. I. Um, I mean, there may have been one or two where I uh, could not watch the whole movie, but yes, we would. We looked forward to it. It was nice. And you watched every movie that you were asked to see if someone was coming on the show. Eighty percent. Yeah. Okay. Well, then you're a better man than I. I did not do that. That would be the only regard in which I better you. You honor me with those words. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why we're now in the 16th century, but sir, I am honored, and I will write you a long letter thanking you. <laughs> You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always 
doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus... They also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loudspeaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds, according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Brian Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT. Now ADT professionally installs Google Nest products so your home is safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security systems from virtually anywhere. Google Nest cams can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. You can know that there's a package out there. I know. And not a person. You don't have to do anything. Yeah, sometimes a person rings the doorbell and I think it's a package. Anyway, (laughs) and with Nest Aware as part of your monthly ADT service, you can get 30 days of event video history, even smarter notifications like when a familiar or unfamiliar face is seen. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just a tap. I'm always setting off alarms accidentally. This is helpful for me. Oh, good. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, you got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are trademarks of Google LLC. On the way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less Filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. 
undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. ask you this how has and not getting into specifics obviously keep things private but being a dad did that change your perspective mm-hmm. a lot about yes. the silliness of caring about no not the silliness no no well, well i was talking to a guy a couple of weeks ago who uh, coalesced perfectly he was a kid who had been in racing in germany with great success and he came to this country and competed in open wheel racing and was horrifically injured in a terrible crash at at Pocono. And he's recovering. Luckily, he did not lose his life. But he's recovering, and he's still suffering some paraplegia, Mm -hmm. uh, paralysis, I think. And I was talking to him. I'd never met the kid. And he said, you know, I used to ask myself this question. If my wife was delivering our baby and I had to get in a race car and race, I would get in a race car and race. He said, I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah. And that's a far more dramatic uh, uh, explanation of the question, but I do feel that. And I, and I feel I wish I had put that aside much earlier. Like if I had quit, as I said at the beginning, 10 years ago, I, I would have hoped to have had two or three children. And, and I love the one that I have, but it would be cool to see, you know, how many kids do you have? Uh, I have two children. Yeah, there but you I'm, go. I'll tell you this, I'm one of six. And uh, when, it gets, when the numbers get that high, you know, there are problems. Uh, and I'll be honest with you. you well, w- when you get one, there are problems. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, no, it, 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 that's, that, that's a uh, overly dramatic way to answer. Yeah. It, 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 you focus differently. As I keep saying, nobody told me they're funny. Yeah. You know, because I, w- I was plagued with anxiety uh, during the pregnancy. And then if somebody had said, you know what, this they're hilarious, just relax. But I didn't get that till bang, zoom, here we go. The kid's, kid's a riot. Did you ever have a concern that because your son is growing up in maybe a nicer fashion than you did, that that would cost him a sense of humor? I say this because I was worried about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember having a Christmas party once a couple of years ago. And oh, I remember that. I that an, was fun. I Thank have, you. It's the wrong coast, Dave. <laughs> and let's face it: would you have come? Would you have come to my Christmas party? Not a chance. I hell. didn't think so. No. So um, Tom Hanks walks through the door because he's in it. Because he's that's not laughable. I'm I'm someone who could have Tom Hanks at a Christmas sure. party. Yeah. Let's just imagine Tom Hanks walks. Through I'm the sure door. he was there. <laughs> I'm substituting him for a much smaller star. No, Tom Hanks walked through the door, and the first thing he said, he looked at this nice house that we have and said, well, your kids won't be funny. Oh, and I thought, oh, oh no, I no, thought no. Uh, that bothered me. Yeah. And then um, and he was just making a joke, no. yeah. but my it, kids are hilarious. They're yeah. very funny, sure. and uh, they're great with the butler, and uh, <laughs> we skeet shoot in the backyard, uh-huh. and uh, they call me pater. Yeah, um, so Latin. it's okay for the kids to poke fun at the help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. sure. I good. encourage that. Yeah, why not? You know? Uh, no, that uh, and and by the way, of course, uh, as every parent knows, there isn't a thing 
the world can conjure that you don't worry about regarding your kids. Yeah. But this is nothing that I was concerned about. Right. Yeah. I just, uh, I thought he, he, he's either going to be funny or he's not going to be funny. What, what I don't want is one of those guys that thinks he's funny and is not. Well, I, I guess that would describe myself. But he is very funny, funny without knowing so, and uh, he can really take a punch in terms of, I, I like to make fun of him, and that, that, that's the best way to get him to laugh. Oh, he understands that. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, that's about the only thing that'll make him laugh is when I go on and on about something silly he's done. I tackle my child, mm. uh, and he's getting big. He will soon be taller than me. Uh, How old is he? He is uh, about to be uh, 14. Yeah. And so he is in the middle of a growth spurt. But I've always enjoyed getting on the floor and, and uh, having it out, wrestling him. And I think we're now at the point where I risk serious injury. I'm there. I know exactly what you're talking about because when we go at it, you can you can just feel the strength of youth in him. Yes. And uh, I can feel my strength mm -hmm. fading. That's right. As I rush towards the grave. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the uh, open maw of yeah, the uh, of yeah. the tomb. Sure. Calling for me. Uh, what do you see in him 10 years from now? He's my my son is uh, incredible with uh, computers, just mm -hmm. gifted, understands it and understood it when he was two mm. and codes and thinks of things. And I don't understand what my son is saying. And I'll say, what are you, what are you up to back in? And he'll say, well, it's, uh, I'm, I'm formulating a, a, a crosshash. And I'll say, oh, just, I'm going to understand. I'm going to stay in this. What's a crosshash? And he'll say, well, you know how there's usually four hexels programmatic uh, dissertation. Uh, this is a pixelation of those programmatics. So we, uh, we just heighten it. And I, wow. and I don't understand. I can't be in his world. All right. Now, if he asks me about my job, any idiot can understand my job. I can say, yeah, I tried this. And the person I'm talking to can say, well, that doesn't sound funny. And I'll say, <laughs> no, it, it turns out it wasn't. And now, so- Does he watch you? Does he- enjoy No, I've, I, not much. I have really, uh, for the longest time, I wanted my kids to think I was a, a, a pretty well-to-do realtor. And, <laughs> and I've said that. I've, I really did want them to think, I wanted yeah. them to have no connection to me being uh, on TV. And they see people want a selfie, but they have a very good sense of humor about it. And we do a thing that I think is very healthy, which is whenever we go to a restaurant and we come out in Los Angeles, there's never any paparazzi. But I'll say to the kids as we're headed out, help me out here. And they go outside and keep in mind, there's nobody. And they'll be like, give him room, give him room. Everybody back. He's a person, yeah. give him room. And that's I think, lovely. yes, that's just putting it right where it needs to that, be. That, that's terrific. Dad's an idiot and uh, yeah. there's no paparazzi because they don't care. Yeah. Well, my, my son does not like to be seen in public with me uh, for, the, for that reason. He just doesn't like me being anything other than dad. He, he doesn't, uh, didn't watch the show. Every now and then he'll take a look at the new show. Uh, but going out with him, he really doesn't like it. He, everything else is fine, except he doesn't like any interaction I have with other people. Okay, what about, what are you up to today, dad? I'm going to do my show and I'm interviewing the president or Jay-Z, the caliber of the people that you are able to talk to, which is unparalleled. You can't make that a normal moment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we don't, we, you know, we don't even, he is so uninterested. I, I will say this, 
ironically or oddly, when he was younger, he used to come to the show in the afternoon to the comedy meeting, and we would run stuff by the kid. And if he if it made him laugh, we'd we'd keep it in the show. <laughs> Maybe that was part of the problem. <laughs> but but I, I was delighted. That... I remember the last year. It was a lot of bathroom noises. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. a lot of uh, you went heavy in that direction. How tall is your son? He's he's coming up hard on my shoulder, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I was walking down the street the other day and I was with my son. He drifted back a little bit and then started to catch up. And I just saw out of the corner of my eye a figure moving up. Yeah. And I thought, who's this guy? Yeah. Yeah. And I happens. turned around and it was my son. Yeah. I do not, uh, my cortex does not accept that he's that size. Yes. I go through that all of the time and it, it's frightening, but yet uh, it's, it's also a, a bit of a joy. Uh, when his voice started to change. Honest to God, I, I thought there was a guy in the house with the plumber. I, yeah. And it, it's, oh, good Lord, it's my son. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and he said, there was uh, Ellen DeGeneres. She was probably at your Christmas party, right? Uh, she would not come. Hmm. I begged her. Uh, so she is uh, 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 doing the research uh, with the silverback gorillas. And there's an Ellen DeGeneres Center for Preserving and Taking Care of Silverback Gorillas. And I talked to, to Harry about this because, you know, as, as a school kid, that's a, you know, we know about silverback gorillas. I didn't when I was a child, but uh, I don't know that they were in peril then. Perhaps they were. But anyway, he knows about them. So uh, Ellen was nice enough to invite me and my family to come to California to attend the, her fundraising gala. And I said, oh, boy, uh, I would like to go. Uh, I don't know that I, I want to fly out there and then just fly back and like that, uh, but we should we should make a nice donation. And every, everybody was in agreement. Silverback gorillas, there's like eight of them left. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I said, Harry, we need to write uh, Ellen DeGeneres a check for the work she's doing with the silverback gorillas. What do you think? How much? I don't know, $100? <laughs> $100. Yeah. And I said, yeah, we'll just put 520s in an envelope. <laughs> Shoot them right out there. It just tickled me. Yeah, he's, look. Every bit helps, though. Yes. I, in, in terms of endangered species, yes. you can't really laugh at that. No, you can't laugh at that. But you can also keep in mind that you've, you know, he knows this is uh, this is the family fund. You can't. <laughs> that's right. You can't let yeah, it run he, dry, giving it away. He realizes, yes, anything that's taken out of the fund now yes. will affect him later. Well, that's well, that's going to seriously, <laughs> seriously affect him. Yeah, that's right. No, I've... Uh, I hope I haven't hung on too long. You've got me thinking about that now. I enjoy this, mm-hmm. I have to say. I, I, I enjoy um, t- these conversations. Well, that's, uh, I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt there, but that uh, describes my situation at Netflix. I enjoy uh, that because it's typically not uh, what you get on a television hour-long, yes. half-hour-long talk show. Uh, it, it can be some of that, but why not? But but by and large, it's not, and it uh, tends to be fun, you know? And well, the, it's also, you're not constrained by a format. Mm-hmm. You can cut away to a remote, something that interests you. So the show can be whatever it is you want it to be at that moment. Who, is, who has been the, the best guest uh, on this show, your podcast? On the podcast? That's very hard to say. How many, how many people I mean, obviously, if on? I include you... There'll be self-hate on your side of the table. No, so well, you're, I, you're, I can, you're not included in this. Right. Uh, I had a lovely conversation with Tina Fey, but looking at last— Tina, Tina Fey is fantastic, by the way. Well, she's also 
just her talent and her work ethic. This is something I would could sp- mm-hmm. I think you could speak to. All the people I admire work hard. There are very few people that I admire in comedy who just are naturally hilarious and don't even try. Most people that I admire uh, work like dogs. Yeah. Is that true for you? It's true for me. I would say I like people who are really, really smart mm-hmm. in comedy mm-hmm. because uh, I'm not, and forgive me if this sounds disdainful, but I'm not a fan of a comedy that is not funny. Does that does that make any sense to you? I think you should go. <laughs> You've just shit on my entire career. There's That's a pl- there's, right. There's a place for it. Uh, it's it can be monetized. Uh, no, I, I I do know what you're saying. Did you did you read uh, the Steve Martin book, Born Standing Up? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, he put into his career. Uh, more thought on a daily basis yep. and continues to do so than I did my entire life. And and I didn't know you, you, you could actually uh, diagram it and, and plan for it and strategize and, and uh, watch it grow the way he did. You know the show he does with uh, uh, Martin, Martin Short. Short. He and he and Marty. Um, like, oh, you I, you brought clips and stuff. I am so sick of hearing about that. It was Las Vegas, and oh yeah, Conan was great, and he had video. And I said, oh fine, good. Okay. Because when I did it, uh-huh. I just showed up. Yeah, no, I, had, I I had nothing. I prepared. So they made me feel bad when I heard, oh, it's just a one it's man band. One really clips. I just really put a lot of thought and effort into it. <laughs> Uh, like all my idols. And uh, yeah, I heard you just stumbled in. That's and, right. Uh, yeah. The booing I hear was uh, just through the rafters. Oh, now that's been exaggerated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, produce was thrown. No one's thrown produce since the 20s. But, uh, let's, but let's, let's get back to... Uh, but the, first of all, before we talk about your inclusion in the show, which I understand was great. Uh, how about those two guys? That's what I was going to say. I brought it up not to uh, laud myself, uh, Although I'm glad that we worked that in. Um, I bring it up because those are two guys who are just breathtakingly funny and talk about the work. And when I did show up at that show in Las Vegas and I got to be there for the rehearsals, I saw Steve Martin sweating it. Mm. I don't mean in a panicky, nervous way, but working it out beat for beat. And I thought, you're Steve Martin. And it's the same uh, nonsense that I would pull with you, which is, no, no, you don't need to. You're there. Right. I have to, but you don't have right. to. And he, what, of course, makes him him is that he's he's sweat. He's been he's been that guy since 1972. Yeah, I saw the same thing uh, in San Antonio, and it really was hot, so the sweating was to be expected. But uh, did the same thing. Yeah. And and Marty acted as my guide, my concierge. Yeah. Because he knew that that Steve as you describe, is preoccupied. And Steve, so preoccupied uh, when I was there, and unbeknownst to me, uh, I mean, the cause of it was unbeknownst to me, but developed the hiccups yeah, and couldn't stop. And yeah. it's like every now and then you see something, a guy in New Zealand has been hiccuping since he was four, and you right. think, oh, God, what if that's it? And Marty said, he's nervous because you're here, and that's why he's hiccuping. Yeah. Uh, but Marty, you know, took care of me, and Steve went around cues and microphones and entrances and everything. Yeah, 
of a show that they had been doing at that point for at least a year. Which is spectacular. Oh, it's, it's uh, you know, it's it's what you want when you uh, pay for a show, for God's sakes. And there is not one second of sentimentality in that show, mm. which is something I, <laughs> I uh, you know, I think maybe they're both allergic to it, but they just mm-hmm. insult each other the whole time. Yes, think, that's great. Oh yeah, I, I think, think, yeah, I think, that's occasion- great. I think yeah. occasionally, there's an audience that wants a little schmaltz. They mm-hmm. want a little, I love you, pal, and I love you. And they are not going to give no, that to you. No, uh, And I absolutely, I have a great admiration for that. Yeah, it's uh, enviable. I, I wish I could do that. I wish I could be one or the other of them. But don't you think, no one's, uh, I, I don't know if it was an AFI, I think, salute to Steve Martin. And they showed his clips intermixed with all the great silent stars. And they fit perfectly. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, you know his a clip of him from All of Me on the sidewalk when he's tw- being you know scenes from The Jerk cut in with the great masters, and the first thing he says afterwards is like I didn't like that I didn't belong in there with them, and I thought that's maybe that's everybody, mm. and there are people that think yes I belong in there, and by saying that they don't you know by having that kind of. Talk about hardworking. I've never known a guy who is harder working than is he, and to to great effect. But he's somebody asked him if he was going to be doing any films. And he said, no. I said, "Uh, I lost interest in uh, making movies about the same time the movies lost interest in me. (laughs) And I thought, well said. (laughs) And, and, you know, but I wonder if if people, uh, like you say, you don't like people who are not hardworking. I wonder, are there people who work and worked as hard as Steve did and does well, now. I know. now. Well, you, you mentioned Tina Fey, of course. Yeah, Tina Fey I, I, has an incredible work ethic, and uh, she's someone I have a great deal of admiration for because the quality of her jokes, the quantity of them, and her dedication to making something really good is unparalleled. And I think, God bless her, she's just, comes. she's old school. There's, there's an, she's an old soul that believes we, this has to, we've got to make this great mm-hmm. and this could be better. Um, I was thinking when I said it, that there's an exception. I know we're both admirers of Norm MacDonald and he seems sometimes like someone who has something. It's his cadence. It's the way he talks. I don't know if he's a hardworking comic, but God, he makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. And his cadence, something is just wrong about it, you know? But I, I, I love Norm, and uh, my guess is, uh, what I know of Norm is that uh, he may not be working hard. No, no. But, but the, what he has um, is the same result as somebody who's worked hard. Yes, yeah. Uh, which is, again, enviable, admirable. But God, he uh, he makes me laugh. And uh, I, I happened across some, some of his time on uh, Weekend Update. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When you watch it now, you realize... Norm just didn't care if it oh, got no. a laugh. No, no, no. And he and, didn't. Yeah. He didn't care. And he had a joke. I think Downey wrote the joke. Mm-hmm. It was during the OJ trial. And there's a picture of Johnny Cochran holding up the knit cap with OJ sitting next to him. And God, uh, no one could do this but Norm. Norm said, uh, a little bit of a wrinkle for OJ in the trial today. Johnny Cochran uh, stood up and held the knit cap that was uh, found at the scene of the double murders when OJ jumped up and said, hey, careful with that. That's my lucky stabbing cap. 
Who else could do that? <laughs> right. And and he doesn't. And if it got nothing, he would stare. Yeah. And and tell you your problem. You know, yeah. I thought that was one of the best. Uh, I mean, dark but fantastic. Right. And and also, no one could do it but him. No, no, that's what I was going to say. I would, if somebody had pitched that joke to me at the height of the OJ trial, yeah. I I would have laughed and not done it. Would yes. you have done that joke? No, I would no. not have done that. Yeah. Yeah, I would have been queasy and well, you know, it's yeah. tragedy and uh, yeah. uh, it was theater of some kind, yeah. theater of the absurd. But the delivery, the the persona, and yeah. the, and the material, it's yeah, perfect, uh, powerful. Yes, uh, I have kept you too long. I promised myself I, I wouldn't do that, and I know you probably have things to do. Yeah, guess again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was I was reminded uh, uh, to talk to you about the horse. Oh, the horse! I was misunderstanding there, I guess. Well, I was I was told uh, now don't be mean to Conan about the horse. Who said that? I can't tell you. Okay, but they're in the building. Okay, uh, and and I was thinking, what did I do wrong? I sent him a horse. You sent you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, the whole thing was. Uh, a wonderful, beautiful misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. You very kindly uh, sent me a horse uh, on your last show. I didn't know what to do with the horse. Right. The men who delivered the horse left. <laughs> well, that's, see, there's the first problem. That's the problem. They delivered the horse and- uh, <laughs> It's all yours. And also, I'll say this, I was thinking Dave might like me to bring this out on the show. Uh-huh. And show that Dave brought me a horse, that's which right. was my first instinct. That's what that's uh, it was all very selfishly then, motivated. But listen, <clears throat> look what Dave Letterman sent me a horse, a horse, and I would have, and that would have been great, and a lot of pickup, and uh, I wanted to do that. And then I had people say, "Well, wait a minute, he's a very private." Some people got in my head that maybe you like a quiet inside joke and that you wouldn't want me to do it. And I thought, he's about to do his last show. I can't call yeah. him and bother him about this horse. So I overthought it, didn't show it on the show. Mm -hmm. And when I now wish that I had, well, now, out of it, some sense of trying to protect yeah. your privacy, or maybe this is a quiet moment, uh, but uh, maybe this is, uh, I don't know. This, I, what, what I like about what I'm hearing now, this, this story, there's so, it's like an iceberg. There's so much more to this story yeah. than just here. You know what'll be funny? I'll send him a horse. Yeah. And then you send me a horse and I loved it. And I sent you a picture and a nice note of me enjoying the horse. You're probably thinking, yeah, why didn't you show it on the show, you idiot? No, I'm thinking, why didn't he do the smart thing and return the bastard? I didn't understand. I did not understand. Usually when I'm something is sent to me, yeah. I don't return it. Right. But that it, felt it, like it, an insult. But, <laughs> so I, I, I thought, this that, guy but, has a, uh, uh, you own half of Montana. But I send you a farm animal. Yeah. I'm thinking, no one will want to be responsible for the feeding and care of a farm animal. So. I took on the, the yeah. care and feeding of the farm animal. Then I was told no one can ride the horse. It's crazy. <laughs> and Well, see, I, I didn't and, see the paperwork no. on that. Oh, no, no, no. The horse is uh, dangerously inbred. Uh, it had deep blue eyes like Frank Sinatra. And they said the only horses that have those kind of eyes are insane. But now, see, here's the, the part that uh, where things, the logic drops out for me. I specified show business horse a horse that can has has some credits has been in movies yeah can ride out and uh, be, be jumped on and jumped off and chased and uh, yeah everything the horse so, had done some improv 
<laughs> and had been on Grey's Anatomy. That's all I know. I wanted a bomb-proof horse, as we say. A, be- a beautiful horse. I'm told quite mad. Yeah. Uh, quite insane. But uh, th- then your wife befriended the horse. My wife loves horses. Uh, she said it's a gorgeous horse. Let's keep it. Let's keep it. So the next thing you know, I drive... You know what it's like in Los Angeles. I drove like an hour and 40 minutes to get to this place where the horse will be happy. (laughs) Tried to get on the horse. Was told you can't get on that horse. You're too tall for that horse. And also, that horse is insane. (laughs) And then I hear the horse might attack other horses. The horse is writing uh, dark entries in its diary. There's a whole... And then I, my wife figures it out. I get these bills. I think, I don't know what's happening. (laughs) Then... True story, my wife finds the answer. She finds a school where they teach you how to massage a horse. And we send the horse to that school so the horse is being massaged like 18 hours a day and is in heaven. Yeah, and this probably, how much does that run you? Let's just say I can't retire. Remember when you said you were worried that maybe, I, you brought up that maybe I've gone on too long. I'm working now to pay off the horse. <laughs> this is so much better now that I know the full story. Yeah. Because when, when you said the horse, I heard you uh, complaining about this. I didn't complain, no. I didn't. Explained. I expl- I, I was, I, I, explaining, not complaining. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I envisioned that he had gone mad and kicked somebody uh, silly in the head. No. But, so how did the craziness manifest itself? Uh, he was impossible to ride, mm-hmm. I was told. Mm-hmm. And I'm not kidding about but, the eyes. The but, eyes were a deep, deep I've blue. I've never seen a blue-eyed horse. Limpid pools. Deep, now, wait deep. a minute. That was a Willie Nelson song. Blue, yeah. Blue-eyed horse. Yeah. But, but if it's a show business horse, how can it be insane? Listen to yourself. <laughs> Listen to how much you've lost contact with the real world. <laughs> it's insane because it is a show business horse. I it's see. never known. There's no gravity. It's, it's got a lot of enablers. Yeah. It doesn't know anything about doesn't the, know real, the real world. world. No. But have you ever had occasion on your shows to, oh, we need a horse? Yes. And do you get a horse? They get a horse right away. And how is it? Sane. Yeah. That's what I thought. Brown eyed horse. Well, I did, nobody said, what color eyes do you prefer? I think what they saw is David Letterman wants a horse sent to Conan right away. And they said, he's not asking a lot of questions. Yeah. He's got deep pockets. Let's unload Killer. Caligula, <laughs> the insane emperor horse on Conan, and that way we take care of a lot of problems at once. So the, the horse is still alive and being massaged. Which is all code for they put it down. No, I'm uh, kidding. No, the horse is fine. The horse is being massaged. <laughs> Just if someone told me he's in a farm and he's being massaged, mm-hmm. I'd say, oh, you used a shotgun. Yeah. No, the horse is fine. Yes, the horse is at an actual school being massaged. The code that I'm uh, familiar with, and it took me a while to figure it out, is lead poisoning. Lead poisoning? Lead poisoning. Bang. That kind of lead. Ah. Yeah. Reminds me of Buddy Hackett on uh, Johnny's show once. Really? Talking about some mob guy. And and uh, Johnny said, and how did he die? And Buddy Hackett went, Buddy Hackett said, uh, natural causes. All the blood ran out of him through little holes. <laughs> I don't know why. That just made me laugh. Well, uh, quickly, because I, I know you've got an Uber waiting. I don't know. Uh, you don't care what I'm about to do. But <laughs> Buddy Hackett was on our show uh-huh. late in his life and uh, started telling stories. Uh, 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 and I think it started with the old story of uh, the Frank Sinatra saved uh, uh, Shecky Green's life. You mm-hmm. know, uh, okay, he's had enough. Yeah. Uh, and and that led him into talking about uh, uh, mob interaction with uh, comedy and show business in early Las Vegas. 
And after the show, uh, he's now, the color drains from his face, and he's, he's, oh, no, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. Oh, no. And he, he won't leave. He's in his dressing room. And my manager at the time, Jack Rollins, a wonderful man, who lived to be 100, by the way, has to, and everyone's gone. The lights are out, and Buddy Hackett won't leave his dressing room. And he's, he's almost in tears because he's afraid now that he has compromised his relationship with organized crime, such yeah. as it may exist. And Jack had to put his arm around him and walk him to the hotel, take him down to the lobby and put him in a cab and assure him that he's not going to be gunned down. Yeah. His early days in show business, maybe something you yeah. had to worry about. Yeah. yeah, We worry about our cholesterol. Mm -hmm. They worried about being killed by the mafia for <laughs> not playing the top hat club. <laughs> In Atlantic City. Yeah, I'm done. You're through, are you? Mm hmm Wrap it up. And you, you have that power. Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, it's just you're the only one who can tell yeah. me. I, uh, I think that uh, uh, at the beginning of this uh, yuck fest, I, I mentioned admiration. And contained in that description would be um, shows that you've had. Uh, different forms of the shows that you have had to uh, achieve and create. And the the new show, uh, the half-hour version, and this indicates to me that you still have boundless creative energy. And let me see, maybe, maybe not boundless, but uh, quite a supply. So, no, well, you shouldn't quit. All right. I'll stick around. Yeah. I'll stick around uh, and then... And, and by the way, uh, I can't thank you enough for inviting me. It's, it's, it's great to be in, invited to a place. To any place. I get a lot of invitations. Uh, no, I'm lying. I, I get no invitations. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I, I was flattered by this one. Uh, this, uh, this meant the world to me. And I... Uh, how, long, how long will this be uh, when you're done with it? About two minutes. Just a, a brief high. It'd be a hello, and then uh, uh -huh. we pretty much speed through it. Uh, we have a technology. Your, your voice will be very high pitched. That's all right. It'll uh, last. It'll be over in a second. Yeah, that's that. You know. No, uh, this is uh, this is a um, means absolutely the world to me. No, no, and, no. Uh, I want. I, I want to know how long do these last? Is there a set time or they can like usually the, Tina Fey? How long did you go with Tina Fey? I think I did fifty. I think I did an hour with Tina Fey. Yeah. Easy. What are we at now, Mr. Gorley? We're at about hour and a half. <laughs> but and see, you'll take this down. We're looking at 20 minutes here. That's fine with me. No, no. You just have to trust me. Okay. Well, I do trust you. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to change my questions. You have two people on the staff the uh, from Indiana, one from Lebanon. Harry is from Lebanon. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Ashley Very good. is from Centerville or something. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get back there much? I own a vacation property in Centerville, horse farm. I'd like another horse. <laughs> Please send me another one. It won't be a misunderstanding this time. <laughs> Please send me another one. <laughs> uh, David Letterman, yeah. uh, an absolute honor. It's Thank been you very great, much. great fun, and yeah. I, uh, I'm serious about the admiration. It's not easy, and uh, you are admirable. That means everything to me. Thank you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have issues or things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time. Don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah, and we need people to talk to. 
And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors. We carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up. And I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know, I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I? it's not a good match? I, then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Conan. Come on, if most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not that's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it in Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> that's one over one billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. It's time for another segment of Review the Reviewers. You ready for this, guys? I, mm -hmm. I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I get, uh, I get a little uptight, to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm hypersensitive. I know I, I don't seem like I am, but you do. we know that this is all compensatory. This is all me making up for my fragility inside. <laughs> um, the Hulk, apparently a very fragile person inside. <laughs> very delicate, very worried about criticism. Criticism? Yeah. No, it's the true. Hulk. Yeah. Many times the Hulk has said, Hulk, he's smashed up a whole... An entire city. And then he says, Hulk fear criticism. <laughs> Hulk compensate for worries. Hulk inadequate is a common phrase the Hulk uses. And so that's why I act out. So when I, when you say, here's what people think about what we're doing, I get nervous, but let's do it. You know, I filter anything that might Well, okay, be. you shouldn't say that. <laughs> yep. Sona, explain Conanism. Yep. Say, Why should he uh, not say that? You shouldn't say that because then he knows that there's things that might upset him. So you say, oh, I didn't have anything I needed to filter. Everything was I, perfect. I wasn't finished. I had to filter out so much good feedback there you go. that I found it nearly impossible 
because everything That's was better. A plus reviews. Well, let's hear it. Let's let's get into it. Yep. The first one is from Lady Martha, mm-hmm. and the title is Miss Conan O'Brien the Cat. And the review is, there's a cat up for adoption at Paws in Philadelphia named Miss Conan O'Brien. I don't know how else to let you guys know. Smiley face. And this was September 15th, so it still could be there. Now, here's where my mind goes. Someone named a cat that was loved Miss Conan O'Brien, and then... Because it had my name, no one wanted it. Oh. That's what I. That's what. That's what I go to. And that was fast. Well, maybe it's gone. Maybe your name is the thing that. I mean, got it was it euthanized. Oh. <laughs> they were like, with a name like Conan O'Brien, it's we got to put this down. <laughs> that's sad. You know what I thought? I thought that cat was found, and then somebody at the shelter is a big Conan O'Brien fan, right. so they named the cat Miss Conan O'Brien. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. What's wrong with you? Uh, well... Okay, no, 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 forget yeah. it. No, we don't okay. have time. Okay. We next, don't have time. Started in the <laughs> late 60s. Let's move on. Next review. Yes, next review. <laughs> I hope the cat's okay, and if you've adopted Miss Conan O'Brien, I thank you, and, uh, you know, send us a picture. Yeah. God, I love cats. Five stars, all these, by the way. Five-star reviews. That's good. You've filtered out the lousy ones. There were no, there were no even four-and-a-half-star reviews. That's nice. Yeah. Best show ever. Oh. By Nick Davis, 11. Conan, you and Jeff Goldblum would make tall babies. Hi, Sona and Matt. Love the show. Been watching Conan for 20 years. That's nice. You and Jeff Goldblum would make tall babies. You know, if only men could lie with one another and create a baby, Mm -hmm. a biological baby. Would Jeff be your guy? I would say Jeff Goldblum would be way up on the list. Yeah. But since Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that performance uh, Brad Pitt gave as a stuntman, uh, that's like my favorite guy in the world right now. Mm-hmm. I want to be that guy's friend. I just want to I want to watch him go through life. You want to make I, babies with him. You know what? If that's what it needs to happen <laughs> to make more Brad Pitts as that stuntman character. Cliff Booth. Cliff Booth, yeah. I would I would do it. He that is just like my favorite person I've seen in a movie in so long that character. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, uh I would um I would have Cliff Booth's baby. If I could. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What? You're allowed to want to make a baby with a man? Aren't we evolved? we? I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing that it's a fictional character. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's lots of fictional characters that I would love to have a baby with. Okay. Captain Crunch. (laughs) (laughs) That guy was my hero as a kid. It's my favorite cereal. He we would was only. Your hero. He was when I, I was a kid. When I was a kid, kid. you making love. Yeah. Well, maybe he'd let me wear the hat. <laughs> oh as long God. as I could wear the captain's hat. Oh, but he's still animated. Like he's still a primary. Of course color. he is. Oh God. But anyway, I. Um, <laughs> when we were kids, there were six kids in my family, and my mother was very strict about once a week on a on a Friday night. She would buy one box of a sugar cereal. We had to eat healthy cereal all week long, but once a week, she would buy one box of a sugar cereal and it was Captain Crunch. Mm. And then we would get up Saturday morning and we had to, my brother Luke, who was the most, is still the most decent of all of us. Mm-hmm. He would f- uh, apportion it out oh in God. six <laughs> bowls. And he would put like saran wrap over the top so that it was each each person's bowl was... No one could take too much. Oh my God. 
And it, that's how it was done. And Luke was like this quasi-religious monk, you know? I mean, he was just like this, and Luke will come down and he would pour out the, the Captain Crunch <laughs> and he would make sure that everyone got the fair amount. And Did then, you grow up in a science experiment? Like, listen, <laughs> listen. And then I, listen, then I would come down with my brother Neil and we would take, we would <laughs> pour stuff from other people's bowls into our bowls. God. We were such assholes <laughs> and take sense. more than our share. And then Luke would say, this is what Luke would do. Luke would see that there wasn't enough now for everyone who'd say, then I shall give up my portion. Oh. <laughs> Was he the oldest? No, he's no. not the oldest. Neil's the oldest. And Neil would take more than his share. And then oh I'd be with God. Neil. I was like his accomplice. Like, <laughs> yeah, boss. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, boss. Yeah. Yeah, you're taking the others. Yeah, I'll help you there, boss. And Neil would say, well, if you're helping me out, maybe you could have a little some too. Yeah, Neil, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Luke would come down like Christ. I have been wronged, but I will die for your sins. <laughs> and uh, yes, that's a true story. I'm sure it is. That's oh an absolute God. true story. Oh so Luke, if you're out there, you're, you're the best of all the O'Brien boys. Oh my God. Well, you and Justin are both great. And you and I are just the worst. <laughs> you guys lower the bar a lot. <laughs> yeah. We'd be a great family if it weren't for Neil and I. <laughs> oh, and then uh, Justin was born... Uh, later, so he's ten years younger than me. So we were kids, and then suddenly this little baby showed up. And Neil, at this point, is like thirteen, and he's really big. And I'm uh, ten, and we sh- we both have we're supposed to have a moral compass at that point. And my mother would go out, and she would get baby food, Gerber's baby food, for my brother Justin, oh my who God. was a baby, and it was Gerber's banana. Which is, have you had Gerber's banana? because I was an older brother and ate my yes. brothers. So uh. what happened is my mom would put it in the pantry and my brother Neil would go in and I'd literally get on like Neil's shoulders and, and oh get the God. little bottles. And this stuff was expensive. And my <laughs> yeah. parents, you know, they didn't have like, it wasn't like money was flying around. We would take the food that was supposed to allow my brother Justin to grow into a healthy man. We would take that food and Neil and I would find spoons that were small enough to go into little jars. Like, <laughs> and then we'd hide the jars and my mother would be like, who took this food? And Neil and I'd be like, I don't know. Kate looks like she's had some. Oh you know, just for the worst. Lips covered in bananas. Yeah, Did you exactly. ever have vanilla custard pudding? That yep. Gerber one? Yes, you I have. That? Yeah. Oh, God, Gerber, so that good. stuff is really good. It's if you really can, good. If you see a baby. What? I'm yeah. just going to put this Take out there. It. If I'm you see you. a baby and they're about to have either the banana flavored or the vanilla custard pudding, flavored yeah. uh, no. pudding, Take it from the baby. No. The baby will get nutrients from another place. And the baby won't know. The baby won't know. Yeah. And the baby is so young that it can't be psychologically harmed by this. Right. No. And someone else will get the baby the food. But if you see a chance to take Gerber's baby food from a baby, do it. I'm with you. That's my public service announcement. Or just get adult food. No. What? No. 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 You answered your own own question. No. No. Take baby food from babies. This is Conan O'Brien. The more you know. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Becton. 
You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.